Welcome to Hey Jim Jim. Hey Sammy, good to see you again, mate. Is it possible to get addicted to cannabis? That's a very good question and quite a nuanced one there, but the short answer is yes, that it is possible to be addicted to cannabis. When looking at the addiction potential of cannabis, it's quite low in comparison to other potentially addictive substances like caffeine and nicotine and benzodiazepines, opioids, and the quoted figures from North America currently sit at 7 to 9% of people who use cannabis regularly will develop some form of addiction or dependence on it. But when looking at those numbers, they're being created in an environment where cannabis is illegal and they're often from people who have been caught using cannabis and instead of being just as a criminal, they've decided to say that they have a drug addiction and go through a diversionary program instead of going through the court. So they could potentially be falsely elevated there, but there are definitely people who do have issues with cannabis and a, and a poor relationship with cannabis. Well, so what is the medical mechanism of addiction? So if we think about benzodiazepines mm. or heroin opiates, what is happening physiologically that causes it to be medically deemed addictive? It's often through chemicals that are activating reward pathways in the brain and releasing a whole range of neurotransmitters, things like dopamine and uh, eliciting a sense of well-being. And most people who have become addicted to a substance are those who are suffering from certain sort of pain or trauma. And so it's a self-soothing mechanism, but there's then becomes a physiological component where they're craving the increase in those certain sort of neurotransmitters. And then there's often down-regulation of certain parts of certain receptors and, and brain activity. So when they don't have that substance, they feel in a sense that their body's been poisoned and then they need to continue using that substance to, to just find some sense of feeling normal. And with cannabis, using inhaled cannabis can activate that reward pathway and it does have interactions with dopamine, but not to the same extent as a lot of other addictive substances. And the body's own endocannabinoid system as well, which can become downregulated with overuse of cannabis, responds and rebounds really quickly. So when looking at other things that can cause addiction as well that aren't based on chemicals and so people can have shopping addictions or gambling addictions or sex addictions and other behavioral addictions and those percentages for those behavioral addictions are around that same percentage as cannabis so it may not necessarily be a physiological addiction to cannabis it might be more of a behavioral addiction to the to that self-soothing and gratification. So does, would that fall into the category of I can't do X without Y? Yeah, and this is where it all gets a bit murky in, in many ways and there's a between addiction and dependence. And so every medical cannabis patient, need, in a way, needs to use cannabis to alleviate certain symptoms and they use cannabis every day and they spend a fair bit of time seeking out their cannabis and using it, but they're using it for particular particular reasons. and technically they would, you know, get the label of cannabis use disorder, even if it's not causing any dysfunction or disorder in their life. Where it really becomes problematic and when it really forms an addiction is when the drug stops them from engaging 
in life in a meaningful way. It gets them engaging in sort of risky behaviors. They, they don't meet their other life commitments because of this desire to use the sort of drug. And that's when it becomes more of an addiction. And you don't see that as much with, with cannabis as you do with something like methamphetamine or heroin. But looking at the age that someone starts using cannabis is a significant predictor in whether someone's going to develop an unhealthy relationship with cannabis that might lead to problematic use. And so those, those numbers of 7 to 9%, they're across the age different age brackets, but the number is much higher in those who are in adolescence. And once you get over the age of 50, the chance of forming an, an addiction with cannabis is negligible and extremely low. Are the lines between overuse and addiction blurry? They are. They're really blurry. And some people will just be overusing cannabis because they just haven't had the right guidance in regards to understanding how they should be using their medicine in a way that gives them the best results. We live in a consumer capitalist society where we're told that the more we use of something or the more we have of something, the better it is. And I think a lot of that permeates into many aspects of our society around food, around chemicals, around all kinds of different substances, and cannabis is no different. So with the right guidance and education and support, people are much less likely to overuse their medicine. Some people are just really suffering and to block out the distressing nature of the world, they lean on substances and, and cannabis is one of those that can provide them a protective bubble that gives them a sense of peace and a sense of well-being. But unfortunately, those things that they're hiding from are still there after they're intoxicated and they're they might be feeling a bit slow or a bit hungover and they're less able to deal with those things. So they need to continue to ignore and deflect and that leads to worsening of their issues. For that percentage of people who may fall into the addiction category, is coming off a cannabis addiction or high cannabis use any easier or more difficult than say alcohol or opiates, or does that really come down to the individual? Do you have the same kind of withdrawals? I know mm -hmm. an alcoholic coming off alcohol could be almost life-threatening and very difficult. Yeah. Look, coming off alcohol can very much be life-threatening. People have, many people have died from alcohol withdrawal, from delirium tremens. Coming off cannabis, it, with, if we're not looking at the symptoms of that, the condition or the symptoms that the cannabis may have actually been treating, just coming off cannabis itself, when someone is healthy and well, the equivalent withdrawal would be similar to withdrawing from caffeine. And we're, we live in a caffeinated world. So obviously that's not easy, but the symptoms are irritability, digestive upset, difficulty sleeping, ag agitation. Sounds but, like me beating a 50-year-old man, Jim, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so look, they're not pleasant, as but not life-threatening in any way, shape, or form. The biggest thing, I think, is when people are self-medicating with cannabis or using cannabis, and then they're overusing it, and then they realize that they need to reduce their cannabis use so it's you know a healthy um, addition to their life. And when they stop using it, then the symptoms that it was treating come back and often come back with a, a vengeance, and partly because... The reason we're getting all of these withdrawal symptoms is because the endocannabinoid system has been dysregulated from prolonged overuse 
of THC and the endocannabinoid system is there to help us adapt to stresses and changes. So the fact that it's not functioning very well for a period of time, and that might only be a week or even a few days, but those other symptoms that your body is struggling with that aren't managed as well. So people can really suffer with recurrence of, of their symptoms. Going cold turkey for those individuals is probably not a good idea. You need to give them appropriate coverage with other options that are less likely to be problematic. And you need to engage in a lot of activities that are going to support and upregulate and allow that endocannabinoid system to heal and recover as quickly as possible. What are the warning signs for a parent or for you as a clinician when you're treating a patient or even for a patient themselves? What are the warning signs to look out for someone that may have an overdependence or an addiction to cannabis? Part of it's going to come down to how much someone's using, because if people are starting to use excessive amounts of cannabis, then that means that they've built tolerance. And if they're building tolerance, that means that they've disrupted their body's own endocannabinoid system. So that's the, that's part of it, how much has been consumed and whether that has escalated. The, the, the biggest thing is whether it's something that's enabling them to engage more positively in the world around them. It improves their relationships. It improves their function. It gives them greater capacity to, to do things because it's helping them with their sleep and then they're waking up feeling refreshed. That's a good thing. When cannabis is stopping people from doing those positive aspects of their life and they're just in a THC cocoon, then that's when it's looking like it's problematic. So when it becomes a crutch and using a crutch for a period of time when you're feeling broken and the stresses of the world are crushing it is okay, but at some point you need to learn to put that crutch down and use it in a way that helps you to walk and run again. Otherwise, it's always going to keep you down. If you have a patient who has an over-reliance and you're concerned about how much they're having, what do you do clinically? What is the process of getting them back to a manageable weekly amount? A lot of it's about education. Education is going to be key here. Most people have gotten to that point of overusing cannabis or misusing cannabis, not because that's where they wanted to end up, but they just didn't have guidance along, along the way. Most people who get to that point have found cannabis to be really helpful at points throughout their journey. And because they haven't had that appropriate support, they've thought, okay, it's not working as well anymore because they're building tolerance. So I'm going to start using more. And that's when you get stuck in that sort of cycle. So education around the endocannabinoid system, education around what appropriate use of cannabis looks like, trying to turn it into this functional tool. So getting them to understand that, you know, yes, cannabis can be good to help people relax or just allow them to zone out from their issues. And that may be appropriate at times, but we want to try and use it in a more active rather than passive way. So using it to facilitate the chance to go and engage socially or use it to facilitate to go for a walk or using it specifically to, you know, and only enough as needed to help you with sleep. So looking at using those lowest effective doses. So once people are on, on board, you can't make change unless people are willing to change and need to get to that point where there's a ready readiness and a willingness to change. And then we can look at adding in oral dosing forms. So to give some good long acting coverage, because most issues come with the inhaled route because of that activation of the reward pathway. And because the short acting nature of the medicine means that people will use more in a 24 hour period, which means more tolerance building. So getting them on the long acting formulations. 
and then looking at having a tolerance break and a reset, letting them know that's probably going to be an unpleasant experience for a couple of weeks. And if they have other conditions, they might need to use some regular pharmaceuticals over that period of time. And then when they start using cannabis again, it's not about stopping it forever, recognizing that they have, you know, at periods in their life found it to be really beneficial. It's then about getting them engaging in the process in a much more intentional manner. So having a process where they can reflect, if they can scan their body, they can understand why they're wanting to use cannabis. Is there a symptom they're trying to treat? You know, whereabouts is it? Is it just boredom that they're trying to alleviate? Is there something else that they could be doing that's more appropriate than cannabis in that moment that they could lean upon? And then because they're engaged in that process, understanding what's going on with them, they can use a, a small amount of cannabis. They can recheck in with themselves. And if the aim is not to get as high as possible, the aim is to get relief. Once they're feeling that relief, and then it's what am I trying to achieve with this relief? So then getting them to engage in might be some reflection, might be some journaling, might be some breath work. They might be going for a walk. It might be, you know, being around people that build you up and having those positive social relationships. So it's talking about it like it is a relationship with the plant and it needs to be a positive relationship. You don't want it to be an abusive one because that'll go both ways. And do you find that for some people, cannabis is not agreeable for them? It's not a therapy that puts them in a good space? hundred percent. And there's lots of, especially with THC, there's this bi-directional nature. So all the things that THC is good at treating, it can also do the opposite and make those things worse in a susceptible individual. And luckily those patients aren't generally the ones that become dependent or addicted to cannabis. It's generally the ones that have had a really good experience to cannabis that are more likely to overuse it. The ones that have had that negative experience generally don't gravitate towards it. They might still, from a medical perspective, get a lot of benefit from cannabis. It just needs to be used in a different way to what they might've done when they're out socially drinking, passing a joint around and then greening out or having an anxiety attack because it was a, it was the wrong environment for it to occur. Any final messages or words of wisdom around having a positive relationship with cannabis? Just speak to your doctor, create that sort of relationship and that bond, be open and honest about it. And re remember that it's about finding ways to have a more meaningful life. And if cannabis is helping you to do that, then I think you're on the right track. And if you feel like it's stopping you from living your best life, then that just needs a bit of work. Or stopping it altogether. That's right. All right. Thanks, Jim. All right. Cheers, Sam.